0: Business Women Rock, Episode 17. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock Podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible businesswomen. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's up ladies? I'm so happy you're here with me today on the 17th episode of the Business Women Rock podcast. Today is Business Women Wednesday. That means that every Wednesday we're going to be highlighting a phenomenal businesswoman all around the globe, somebody who's been doing something amazing, has a really great business story, really great company. We want to highlight you. So, What do you have to do in order to be highlighted? All you have to do is go to the show notes for this particular episode. That's going to be at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 17. That's one seven. And go leave a comment on the show notes. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're doing. I want to hear why you're so passionate about business. I want to hear why you really connected with today's episode. And then every Wednesday, we're going to be choosing one of those stories to share on our Facebook page. So go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 17. And leave a comment on the show notes for today's show. And so to kick off Business Women Wednesdays, I want to start by highlighting my guest today, who is Jessica Ravelli. Jessica is the founder of Working Women of Tampa Bay, which is a women-centered networking group whose mission it is to educate, motivate, and inspire the business women community. Hmm. Kind of a nice fit for the show, huh? (laughs) Her company is here in my backyard, and I happen to know Jessica on a personal level, and she is just an incredible woman. And our conversation today really focuses on how she has started and has built and grown this movement, this community of businesswomen really, truly helping each other out. She is an inspiration, and she's all heart. So turn up the volume. The interview starts now. Jessica, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, it's great joining you, Katie. Thanks for having me. Now, I am
0: so excited to have this conversation with you because you are such a great example and your business is such a great example of really a grassroots effort to build a community about women and for women in business. And obviously, that's right up the alley of what business Women Rock is all about. So I'm so excited to share this story with everyone Can you give us an idea of what life looked like for you just before you started Working Women of Tampa Bay?
1: Sure. So I have a a background in television news. I actually went to college for it, and it was my life's passion. Um, I, I actually was a news producer at four different TV stations all over the country. So right before I started Working Women, I was in the space where I was young. I was about 27, and I was kind of deciding whether what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I I loved television news. I was incredibly passionate about it. But at the same time, I, I wasn't having as much creative freedom as I wanted to have in my career. And so I was looking for networking opportunities for women, specifically for entrepreneurial women and women who were looking for, Uh, an opportunity to develop deeper, meaningful relationships and not that classic wham, bam, thank you, ma'am type networking. And so I was looking for an organization that would fill those needs. And I especially wanted something at night because I worked a nine to five job and I wanted an opportunity to be able to network in the evening. So this was in about 2008 and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. And so I I had decided at that point that I really would love to see something like that happen in Tampa Bay. And I created it, which was kind of naive at the time. I look back and I, I, I wonder, um, you know, I must've had a certain amount of energy and courage to be able to go out and do it. But at the time it seemed like it made sense. So yeah, so I just, I just started it.
0: So how did that actual group, Working Women of Tampa Bay, actually start? Like, did you have an initial meeting? Did you start a group? What did that look like?
1: So fall of uh, 2008, um, I had decided to get something started, and it began with just one simple event. I figured I'll get, you know, I'll put it out there. I'll let all my friends and family and coworkers and all of their friends and family know, and we'll see what happens. And so we had about 30 women who came out to a beautiful little uh, restaurant in downtown Dunedin, which is over here in the Tampa Bay area. It's woman-owned. So 30 women came out, and they had food, and they had drinks, and we gave them swag bags, which has kind of become, you know, part of, our, part of who we are as an organization. And it just clicked. Everyone had such a fantastic time, and I knew I was on to something at that point so 30 women fall of 2008 and what I did was I basically just kept throwing them so once a month we'd get together women would bring friends and coworkers, and so the group just kept growing so you know 30 came and then 40 came and then 50 came and then eventually we had 70 women show up at one event which kind of caught me by surprise and um and you know you have to deal with the numbers at that point but yeah so basically one at a time to the point where we realized we were onto something and that um that it needed to be more than just events it needed to be a membership based organization
0: so how did you work it out in the beginning as far as like what kind of business model did you start with were you charging people for events were you having sponsors come in and give the swag bags away or like what were you really dealing with as far as a business model before you really established that this was a membership organization
1: we always have charged and i think that's so important because women find value in the things that they pay for if you do an event and you make it completely free two things are going to happen. One, they're less likely to find value in the event, and number two, there's a good chance that they might not show up. So in order to make sure that we have the numbers that we want and that our guests and our members find value in what we do, we we charge, and we've always charged. So we charged from the very beginning. I want to say it was like $20, so it was very reasonable. But it's always – the organization has always been – a for-profit model instead of a non-for-profit model so we charge for our events and i did from the very beginning and then at the point where we had so much demand for an actual organization to start then we started charging dues and our but our membership dues are very reasonable they run right now they run 120 for a year back then i believe it was 90 for a year so Jessica, you mentioned before about
0: basically having a business model that was for profit versus a nonprofit model. Can you talk a little
2: bit about the advantages that you
0: have had growing as a for profit company?
2: Yeah, I really believe that Working Women has grown so fast and so successfully because of the fact that it's a for profit company. So often in nonprofits, there's a change in leadership every year, every other year. And so there's really no main person steering the ship. And in this case, it's my company. And so I believe the reason why that it works so successfully is because at the end of the day, whatever I promise is what I need to deliver. So if they come to an event and there are, you know, things that are supposed to happen at that event, it's my job because it's my company to make sure that happens. And so I feel like the, for-profit model when it comes to member organizations really works because of the fact that there's someone who's held accountable for the quality of not only the networking events, but the quality of the membership and the overall value that the membership brings to that individual member.
0: So you have this company, you are having monthly events, more and more women were coming, and pretty soon you have 70 women showing up and you realize that it needs to be a membership organization. Can you talk a little bit about what you needed to do at that moment to really transition into a membership organization? Like, what did you need to know as a business person to really make that a business model? And what mistakes did you make right in the get-go?
2: Yeah, it's so important that when you're creating a company that you have all your ducks in the row from the very, very beginning. And so for me, the beginning started with first things first is getting my paperwork done with the state. So filing my DBA, filing my LLC, getting my bank account set up, all the important you know, business one-on-one things that you do in the very beginning of any business. So because of the fact that this was going to be a company, all of that needed to go into place, getting, you know, a PayPal account, all that stuff had to happen first. So, so I definitely had to go through that step before moving on. And then the second step was creating value for the members. So why would they become a member of working women of Tampa Bay instead of just coming to the events as a guest. And so what does that look like? And in our case, it looked like a website where there was an online directory that they could create a profile and therefore they would have access to other members profiles. So that had to happen. And then also, we, you know, we decided to give each member a discount on events. So we had to build out membership perks. So the members knew very clearly why they were becoming a member instead of just becoming a guest at the event.
0: And so my question is, how do you think that you are distinguished from other networking groups within the Tampa Bay area, but now even into Orlando and into the state of Florida as a whole? I want to make sure people get this. You from 2008 with 30 women coming and showing up at a random event now have 850 women who are part of the Working Women brand all over the state of Florida and growing. And so, you know, how did you, what What are you offering? Why do you think that's really caught fire with women?
2: Well, a couple of things. One is I think women were looking for an opportunity to network together. And there are several other women's networking events in Tampa and beyond. But I think they were looking for something a little bit more atypical, something that was a little bit more casual, a little bit more intimate. They were looking for something that was a little bit more fun. And so our diverse calendar, I think, is definitely something that sets us apart We do 20 events a month here in Tampa and three or four in Orlando every month, and um, those events vary. So we do coffees and lunches and workshops, social events like um, a night at the spa. we we've gone bowling, we've done beach weekends. So we really have a very diverse array of events that they can choose from. So that's definitely one thing that sets us apart. But the fact that we are a women's community and that the women can come to each other for not only professional advice but personal advice i think is super important they know that when they meet another member of working women of tampa bay they can expect a certain amount of friendliness and an ability to or not only the ability but the desire to help one another so so i think um the events are one reason why women like to go and become a member. I think the fact that we 've got this great group of women that are supporting and helping each other, and then finally, everything is really affordable we You know, everything on the calendar is created with a working woman's budget in mind. You know, our coffees are only $5, happy hours are $5, and then obviously our workshops and our education pieces get more expensive. But we really wanted to keep everything super affordable, and I think that's another reason why we've grown so fast is that women can come, meet one another, exchange information, exchange ideas, and it's not going to break the bank. I want to talk a little bit about your approach to social media, because social media
0: has been such a foundational approach to how you've grown. And I think, you know, we recently just had Shama Kabani on, who is, you know, the Zen master of social media marketing. And she was talking about this integration between online and offline marketing and how really this next wave that we're going through, there is no distinction. I mean, there's so much happening online that happens offline and it all sort of intermingles. Can you talk a little bit about how you have used social media to grow out the working women brand and and how you're approaching that now that you guys have a huge following online
2: yeah if, if it wasn't for facebook and twitter and linkedin i don't think that working women would have grown so fast because it was really the ability to market to these women in the very early stages of the of the organization so 2008 2009 2010, without social media, I don't think that we would have gotten the word out fast enough. And also, I don't think we would have been able to create such a large community. So we have 850 members between Tampa and Orlando. But when we look at the bigger picture of the Facebook fans and the Twitter followers and and the folks that follow us on LinkedIn, we're looking at at about 30,000 social media connections. And it's through those connections that we continue to do a lot of things, but specifically fill up our events. So with doing 20 events a month, that's a lot of events that we need to share the information with um, as far as getting you know, attendance at all these events. So it's through social media that we're able to properly promote what we've got going on. And then, of course, there's this bigger idea that that it creates a community within Tampa Bay, within Central Florida, within Florida, of these businesswomen who are looking to connect and share information. So it, really, I believe that social media is really the spark that kind of created our organization because it was through social media that it was able to grow so fast. And now that we're at you know 30,000 social media followers, it, it allows us to continue to bring new people in the group and it continues to allow us to fill up the events. But more importantly, it allows us to, to reach out to thousands of women all over the state of Florida and share information like really great articles about business. We welcome all of our new members through Facebook. So it allows us to connect with our members and with our bigger social media family every day. Jessica, talk a little bit
0: about your experience in scaling out. So you got to this point where Tampa grew like wildfire. How did you know that you were ready to move into another market? And from there, even, how did you know that you were ready to move into a statewide
2: market? That's a tough one. And I think that it's something that each business owner has to know intrinsically. But um, for me, I, I kept hearing from friends of members who were living outside of the Tampa Bay area that they wished that there was a working women in their neighborhood. So it started with kind of just checking out different areas of where we could grow and where we would be the best received. And Orlando really made a lot of sense because it's only a about 90 minutes to two hours away from the Tampa Bay area. And it was definitely in need of a women's organization that was like ours, which was intimate and fun and and had varied events at varied times. So we're looking to grow Jacksonville, Southwest Florida, and South Florida in the coming year. But really, it, you know, it's difficult. I, I I won't say that it's an easy task because what works in Tampa and how we're received here in Tampa is going to be different in every city. So even though, you know, we can bring our concept and our philosophy on networking to these other cities around Florida and beyond, we really have to go into each market See what's already going on from a networking perspective, especially, you know, what kind of women's organizations are already in play in that market, and then figure out how we best fit into that area. Because what we're doing here in Tampa may not translate well over to Orlando you know, for all sorts of reasons. One reason that pops into my head right now is traffic. I mean, the traffic in Orlando is very different from the traffic in Tampa. But in Orlando, it's really, you know, it's it's a barrier when it comes to going to networking events. So we had to learn that, you know, people wouldn't necessarily drive for a networking event. As far as here in the Tampa Bay area, we're getting from point A to point B is a little bit easier. So even though we... um you know, we we feel like that working women is strong enough to move beyond the Tampa Bay area into these other cities. The trick is once we get into that city, we really have to, you know, survey the landscape and figure out how we fit into the mix.
0: What has been your strategy for actually doing that? Like you're talking about, yes, we go and look in at the markets. We kind of keep an eye on what women's networking events are already there. Like, what is your strategy? Do you have sort of like two or three champions who have wanted you to bring it to that market who sort of take it up and now become your event planners? Or are you going and really opening up that market?
2: Well, it's both. I mean, we I did go over to the Orlando market and open it up, but we did have several ambassadors who wanted to get it off the ground. And so I would say for working women in any other organization that was looking to grow organically, that you do need to have boots on the ground. You really need to have people in that market that are really well connected, who can help grow that organization, because you can have a lot of great buzz and great energy but if you don't have a couple of key individuals who who are great networkers who want to see the organization survive it won't move forward so it is really important we we do happen to have a couple of really great people over in the Orlando area who have been helping us grow and yeah the, the trick will be finding those kind of women in the other markets who can help carry the torch because you can have the best marketing plan, the best social media ad campaign. And if you don't have a handful of, you know, boots on the ground who are well connected, who want to see the organization succeed and grow, chances are it's not going to happen. Can
0: you talk a little bit about your leadership style? You deal with about four to five team members who kind of take on different different roles within the working women company. And then you also manage hundreds really of members, and then your individual leaders and ambassadors within each of those communities. Can you talk about what kind of leader you are and what has worked well for you?
2: I really believe that it's all about authenticity. So I'm a very much person, what you see is what you get. And so I really believe that it's important to lead from that perspective. And so as you mentioned, I have, you know, four to five team members who are independent contractors that work for me. Then I have another bigger set of um, ambassadors, about 20 of those who help run events and check people in and, and serve as kind of our representatives in the community. And then, you know, we have, you know, 750 members here in Tampa, and then, you know, another 100 over in Orlando. So it is a huge group. And I think that, I would hope that the members in our organization would tell you that when I meet with them and, and especially when I'm talking about their business that I'm that I'm coming from it from a very authentic, candid perspective, I would think that that's really what keeps me close to the members as well as my team. I'm also a big believer of accountability and, and never promising more than I can actually do. And coming through on um, on helping them whenever I can. So, for instance, if there's a member that needs an introduction to either another member or maybe a contact I have via LinkedIn or, you know, just or in the community i'm going to do my very best to make sure that i connect those two people so i think part of my leadership style is being very accessible to the members and accessible to my team and realizing that i am a conduit to making connections and helping them grow and i think that that's why they continue to support working women and why we have such a loyal group of of members and and guests that come to the event is because i really try to help them as much as I can. And I really believe in the giving back and they reciprocate as well. So that's really important to me.
0: So Jessica, you came from a professional background where you had a nine-to-five job and then you moved into the space where you were running this company full-time. What have been some of the biggest
2: surprises that you've encountered in running your own business? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I do not have a small business management degree. My my college degree is in broadcast journalism and I have, you know, 10 years in that field and I was definitely green and probably a little naive when I jumped into the entrepreneurial space from that traditional 9 to 5 corporate area. And so it was it was definitely a challenge. I mean, so many things come to mind of challenges that I had. One was going from a 9 to 5 where you'd go in to work every day and leave at the same time every day and entrepreneurship Um, has fantastic flexibility. But the problem with that is that you really have to have great time management skills, and you have to have great discipline. So I have to wake up in the morning and get started right away um, in order to make sure that I get my day started off on the right note. So I I think that's a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially if they work from home, is that they don't have that traditional schedule. And so they don't necessarily always work the Same hours as they're used to. And the other side of that is you end up working more hours than you ever imagined. So even though I may not work a traditional nine to five, and in fact, you know, I may take time out in the middle of my day to go do something personally, I may find myself working on a project till. 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So I think that was a challenge, kind of moving away from the traditional 9 to 5, making sure that I delegated and had you know great time management skills from the beginning, and then pulling back when you're working all those late hours, you do have to find balance. And so that's what I've really struggled and, and hopefully I've gotten better at over the last five years is knowing when to kind of turn it off. I schedule more vacations now than I ever did in the beginning of the business. And I definitely schedule more personal time than I ever have in the last year than the previous four years. So I think that's difficult for any entrepreneur is is, you know, time management and delegating and then of course, you know, carving out me time.
0: Well, and I think that growth for your company and your ability to be better at managing your time has only come because you've been able to really delegate very well. What are some of the tips that you would give to our listeners who are trying to
2: delegate and maybe not succeeding at it or at least know that they need to delegate a lot better? Well, you have to surround yourself with a fantastic team. And that doesn't mean that you have to run out and hire an assistant and anyone else that you feel like you need in order to, you know, continue to grow. What I did was I went the independent contractor route where I figured out exactly what kind of tasks needed to be done and taken off my plate in order for me to grow as a leader and a business owner and and for me to continue to have time to create the vision of the business, so I figured out that graphic design was not my forte, but it's so important to um, the overall branding of working women. So I went out and you know got a graphic designer, and and I have a partnership with her where she's you know works as an independent contractor, but she's on retainer. So that was important. I have a virtual assistant. I have another independent contractor that does a lot of my Customer service and reaching out to members. So basically, what I did was I looked at all the tasks that were kind of bogging me down every day, that maybe I didn't enjoy or maybe that I just wasn't good at. In the case of the graphic design piece, and then I went out and hired independent contractors to fill those tasks, and then I put them on either a retainer or some sort of monthly stipend, um, and and some of them are hourly as well, but. They are based on projects and not necessarily a certain amount of hours per month so that really helped me free up some time to be able to um, to work on what I needed to work on which is you know the overall vision of the business where are we going where are we growing and so I highly recommend that as you're growing your business to figure out what exactly you're not good at or what bogs you down and then going out there and finding really quality people who can fill those specific positions. And so that's what I did. And I think that that's worked really well. And that leads me right into the next question, which is what do
0: you actually really do to make sure that you're constantly working on top of your business and being a strategist about where your business is going?
2: Well, at the end of the day, Working women has to continue and to grow its influence and its circle of people. So how we've grown working women is we've continuously tapped into circles of people. So maybe that circle could be the St. Petersburg area, or maybe it could be uh, working moms. So it's targeting certain groups of people and then continuously promoting working women to those groups and then beyond, um, so we keep opening up our circle of influence, and so that 's my job is to go out there and network on behalf of working women in organizations, community groups, city like city departments, you know basically. To continue to expand our network and my network. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think that we'd continue to have a steady stream of new members. So me going out there and networking on behalf of the organization is important and is intricate to making sure that we continue to grow. But then also growing our online and social media influence. So adding new fans to our Facebook page and Twitter followers and inside our LinkedIn working women of Tampa Bay group. So that's where I come in, is it's my job to make sure that more and more people get to know about working women, get to know about the services we provide, and possibly finding strategic partners and community partners who will help us grow our membership. But also just, you know, our our greater social media family, because as that grows, our membership grows.
0: What pulls you through and keeps you going when you have those days, like every businesswoman does, where you just feel like, I cannot do
2: one more thing. There's no way I can go on. Like, what do you do in those moments? A couple of things happen when I, I'm really frustrated. One is I definitely need to take a break. So, And I really stress this to all female business owners, is that if you're having a day where you're just beating your head against the wall and and maybe, you know things aren't working or you're forcing something, especially when it comes to working with another person, the best thing to do is just to take a break. And whether that means go for a walk, um, go get a pedicure, go actually sit down and have lunch. But I can't stress how important it is to stop what you're doing when you're in that moment and walk away, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. Because what we tend to do is obsess over You know, things that are just not working out the way we want them to work out. And so I find that sometimes when you walk away and you give the project some time or whatever it is that's really frustrating you, usually a solution presents itself instead of you forcing that solution. And that's something I kind of have to talk myself into into on a regular basis, especially if it's an answer to a problem or I'm working on something with someone and I'm not getting the results that I want. If I take a break and I can sometimes think of a different way to approach it. And sometimes it's like divine intervention and the universe just manages to solve the problem without me having to meddle in it. So taking a break, especially when you're in a moment of frustration, I think is important. I think planning vacations that you can really you know get excited about we plan three about two to three vacations a year that I really like kind of bucket list vacations and it when it when there are times when I'm really frustrated and I'm really kind of feeling like I'm on um, a hamster wheel and I can't get off I think about those vacations. We're actually going to Alaska in August and that's definitely one of our bucket list vacations. And so by taking a break and and remembering why the awesome things that are coming out of me owning my own business, like being able to vacation and, and visit a place I've never visited, it really kind of puts things in perspective. And then ultimately... I have to remember the why. Why am I doing this? Why am I a business owner? Why am I the leader of a women's business organization? Why am I a supporter of women business owners? You know, what keeps me going every day? And that really is that I'm passionate and dedicated to this particular cause. And if I can stop and think about why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I've elected to go down this path, it usually keeps me in line and, and makes me smile and, and keeps me pushing through. So I think we all have to remember our whys and, um, you know, finding little ways to do that, like, you know, putting, you know, inspirational sayings on your computer or putting things around you on your desk that remind you why it is that you're doing what you're doing, because we all are going to have those moments whether it's daily or weekly, that have us kind of pulling our hair out. Ain't that the truth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know that giving back to the community is very important to you, and you are involved with a lot of sponsoring with um, a lot of the different charity events around here. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important to you and where that fulfills a part of your mission?
2: Yeah, ultimately, Working Women of Tampa Bay's. Mission is to motivate, educate, and inspire women business owners and female professionals. And so the charity events and the sponsorships of things that are beyond working women really kind of help us make sure that we are living that mission every day. So I purposely choose nonprofits, charities, other events. That that are fulfilling our mission, and by doing work with them, it allows me to touch so many more women than I could with my just my own organization. So, for instance, we recently partnered with the Center for Women, which is an organization out of Tampa that is about sixty years old now, I think. And their mission has been to you know further the lives of women in the community, and they do a lot with you know women who have suffered through drug abuse and also through um, domestic violence, and their mission is really to kind of help those women get on their feet. But recently, they've decided that it's not just enough to make sure that they have food in their stomach and that they have a job and that, you know, they're able to kind of take care of themselves and their family. But the next step is how do we continue to grow those women as a professional so that they continue to bloom and blossom into These amazing business women. So they've created an entire entrepreneurial readiness program through the center to help these women decide if entrepreneurship is the right way to go. And so we've come on board as a sponsor and a charter member of their women's business center in an effort to help them grow the women that are under their care. So I feel like the more we're able to do that, we'll continue to help shape and benefit the women's business community, not just through Working Women at Tampa Bay, but all the charities and nonprofits and colleges that we support. So it's really important for me to continue to help those organizations do what they do best so that the greater women's business community succeeds. I really want to
0: conclude this conversation by asking you, what is your vision for the working women enterprise?
2: You know, we, I just really want to continue to help more people. It's so amazing when women come into our organization and they're looking for other women to connect with. They're looking to share ideas and resources. Maybe they're a brand new entrepreneur. So it's so important to me that our organization continues to help as many women as possible. Obviously here in Tampa, we will continue to grow like we have in the past. I have no doubt that we'll continue to grow here because there's just so many women in the Tampa Bay area that we can serve. And then also in Orlando. So I feel like by growing throughout the state of Florida, it'll allow us to continue our mission to help motivate educate and inspire these women. And, um, and from there, who knows, I, I would, I would love to see our philosophy of networking and collaborating go through the entire country. And so that will, you know, have to be one step at a time, but I really believe that as long as we're on a mission to help more and more women, we will will be on the right path and I definitely see that happening this year and in the future. We did a conference last year in 2013 where we had 400 women from around the state come together to get some education and to meet one another and It was just such a beautiful day, and and we're going to do one again this year. And I think that's part of the mission as well, is to continue to create a space for these women to gather and share resources. And whether that's in person, like at a conference or online through social media, as long as we're continuing to grow this community beyond Tampa Bay, I know we're on the right track. Jessica, I really want to thank
0: you so much for your time and for sharing so much about your story and really for your vision for women in business and how you are really playing such a huge role on a local scale and building out to hopefully, fingers crossed, a national scale to, to really keep moving forward the agenda for great business women connecting and helping each other
2: out. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Katie, for having me, and and I think what you're doing with Business Women Rock is so awesome. And I I know these podcasts are really making a difference in the lives of business women all over the country, and and I'm just honored to be a part of it.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and remember, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash seventeen. And leave a comment there so that we can consider you to be recognized on Business Women Wednesday on our Facebook page. Are you listening to this and it's not Wednesday, or are you listening to this and maybe this went live like a year ago? (laughs) That's okay. Put in a comment anyway. We are constantly keeping updated on the website and on the comments coming through, and I would love to hear from you, and I would love to highlight your story. Thank you so much for listening. Share these great stories and this incredible community with another person. I'll see you on the next episode, and keep it rocking.